And if you look back historically, you look at the same thing and you look where a lot of times the fate of the world, the trajectory of mankind literally rested on one person's leadership. Good morning and welcome to this month's edition of the FBI National Academy Associates Leadership APB podcast series. My name is Ray Ferris and I'm the Director of Education and Training for the Association. Today's podcast is sponsored by a couple of our strategic partners. We want to give a big thank you to FirstNet and to the utility for their sponsorship of today's podcast. Today's podcast is entitled Leadership in the Saddle. And now it is my pleasure to have joining us today, John Forkworth. John Forkworth facilitates leadership development and is a certified executive coach for law enforcement, military, and the private industry. He taught at the FBI Academy for six years as a leadership instructor for the FBI National Academy program and at the International Law Enforcement Academy in Budapest, Hungary, the Independent Commission Against Corruption in Hong Kong, and the Australian Institute of Police Management, working with a myriad of organizations, including JCPenney, the Department of Energy, the Defense Logistics Agency. Mr. Forkwer served 32 years for the DOD and the United States State Department. He was a Mustang rising in the rank from private to colonel, culminating in his final military career tour as the commander of the military component for the Naval Criminal Investigative Service. Colonel Forkwer deployed to Fallujah, Iraq, where he served as the director of the Joint Prosecution and Exploitation Center. He provides ongoing leadership development to the MHA Nation Tribal Leaders. Mr. Forker attended the 184th session of the FBI National Academy, the 65th session of the Law Enforcement Executive Development Session, the Domestic Security Executive Academy, Session 7, and the National Executive Institute, Session 34. John Forkwer earned a Master's of Arts in National Strategy and Strategic Studies and a Bachelor of Arts in Criminal Justice and attended the Marine Corps Command and Staff College. Welcome, my friend. It's good to have you today. It's great to be here, Ray. This is a very interesting title, Leadership in the Saddle. Why did you pick that, sir? Uh, That's a great question. You know, I have been in leadership discussions basically with anybody I could think of, government, military, law enforcement, private industry, and I've studied a lot of historical leaders, and I basically came to the same conclusion or realization, and that is that really since the dawn of man, the, the basic tenets of leadership really have not changed at all. And virtually every society, every mission has been at one point in time has been faced with, with a great challenge of some sort. Some of those were seemingly insurmountable. And every one of those organizations that succeeded were overwhelmingly the result of one thing, and that's leadership. And then leadership is that ability to influence and inspire people toward a common goal and accomplish the job. If you look back in history, I looked at our American history and I found Old West Cowboy and the Code of the West. It was a really an unwritten rule and it was kind of a blend of the golden rule. It was about right and wrong. It's about making better citizens, growing masters of the cowboy craft and, and getting what was really a tough job done. And the most famous cowboy of all, John Wayne, said, 
a man's got to have a code, a creed to live by, no matter what his job. So I guess in answer to your question, I think the old ways West can probably offer us a couple of good lessons on leadership. Absolutely, sir. And these are certainly chaotic times, or they certainly seem to be as far as we look at this country today, like no other time in history. The things that divide us seem to far exceed the things that unite us. Uh, Forgive my sarcasm, but uh, when I look at that title, Leadership in the Saddle, isn't looking at folks like the Lone Ranger for answers a little outdated? You're a funny guy, Ray. You know, I've always I've always joked that that leadership is really the art of felony plagiarism. And here's what I mean by that. You know, you go through your life and you look at leaders or you look at leadership or the lack thereof. It's all around us. And it doesn't take too much to look around today to see where the leadership is failing us in a lot of places. And if you look back historically, you look at the same thing and you look where a lot of times the fate of the world, the trajectory of mankind literally rested on one person's leadership. As you go through your life, you start to adopt elements of those leaders. And the good ones, you say, I think that would work good. I like that. I like the outcome of that. And you put that in your toolbox. You look at people that do it bad and you say, well, I'm going to go the opposite direction of that. I'm going to put that in my toolbox. And what you end up with is this composite of all the people you thought in present day and historical or that influenced you and you put that together. And when I look at that, again, there's it's it's really the, the art of plagiarism. You're building your leadership style based on everything you've seen and what you think works. And and you hear all the time people talking about him or her or natural born leader. And I, I think that's nonsense. If you look at any great leader in history, a lot of them worked extremely hard at becoming the great leaders they were. To the topic of the leadership on the saddle, I want to take you back to 1866 for a moment. The great cattle drives of the Old West. And surprisingly, they were they only lasted just over 20 years, but they moved over 27 million cattle from Texas to Oklahoma uh, to where the railheads were. And if you think about that, the life of the cowboy was a tough and dangerous job. You know, there was long cattle drives, and they faced all kinds of dangers. There was freezing cold, there was blistering heat, there was quicksand, there was Indians, there was bandits. There was a lot of things going out there. And the code of the West was basically a conduct that was created by that dangerous environment that had multiple threats. You know, primarily it was an unwritten code. You know, it was a code of survival, civility, and respect for man, for animal, for the land. And within that code, within the cowboy culture, if someone broke the code, they were either shunned or they were outcast. And if you think about it, the old West in the 1800s, if you were outcast, it was basically a death sentence. When I looked at that, the old West and those iconic cowboys really to this day have always been considered to me, they were a significant part of American history. That culture uh, of that old West of those original wagon trails still exists today in the cowboy lifestyle. And I think the code of the West really offers us some leadership lessons, some powerful lessons that would serve well in any organization. You know, and I think about even in closer in the environment, a lot of times when we're, when we're talking to law enforcement, you think, hmm, the code was written for a dangerous environment about survival, civility, and respect. 
Sounds to me like the cowboy lifestyle and the law enforcement culture of today have a few things in common. You know, even though that cowboy era was short, that cowboy lifestyle will always be a thread in the very fabric of our American history. And in parts of the country, that lifestyle still remains today. And when I go back to the original thing, for the, the code of the West is basically a timeless reminder that, that leadership really is about developing others. It's about communication, connection, and growth, and the ability to inspire others to be part of something that's bigger than themselves. So to your question, Ray, I think the Lone Ranger just might be able to offer us a little something. Yeah, there you go. Absolutely, sir. You mentioned, and uh, I can tell you have done your homework, you mentioned those tough cowboys, that code of the West. If tomorrow's leadership comes from today's youth, I've got to think that there are many of us concerned that today's youth is unprepared for that toughness, for that, that harsh environment that they may have to face. What are your thoughts on that? You know, it's a valid point. I had very similar thoughts. I read an op-ed that was written by a national publication about the young generation, and I'll quote it. It said, we defy anyone who goes about with their eyes open to deny that there is, as never before, an attitude in young folk, which is best described as grossly thoughtless, rude, and utterly selfish. Ray, what do you think generation that was written about? (laughs) Sounds like today, Colonel, to me, but... (laughs) It absolutely does. But I'll tell you you what it was about. It was actually written in 1920 about the greatest generation. And they were led and they got their stuff together enough to win World War II. And, you know, when I think back, I know what they said about me, and I can only imagine what they said about you, but I can only imagine that it wasn't very good. But I take that forward. So back in Fallujah, Iraq, you know, one of the things that was probably the most memorable things while I was there was that we were faced with a problem where we had to figure out a better way to process and manage the data that we had, all the statements, the forensics, the biometrics, all the information on cases that were that were literally death sentences that were tried for the Central Criminal Courts of Iraq. And our Achilles heel was the fact that the system that, that we used to, to maintain all the information was, was grossly inadequate. So the, when the quest went out and I got all the smart people together that I thought would, would solve this problem, and we sat down, you know, of course, we talked about, uh, we'll, we'll send this out for bid, we'll turn it over, we'll get it looked at, they'll send it out for multiple bidders, It'll get awarded. The contract will come. Somebody will develop this program. And realistically, in that environment, you know, you're talking about if you've got that done within 12 to 18 months, you're lucky. All the time, we were processing some of the most violent people in the world. And at that very moment where I thought that that was, that was literally impossible, a 19-year-old private who had been a driver for one of the smart people that I brought into that conference on a break knocked on my door and said, Hey, Colonel, I got an idea. And I said, for what? And he said, for the, for the information. And I go, well, wait a minute. So you got an idea, wait, you, wait, you got an idea on how I'm going to process some 1700 cases, all the data information, everything so that I can present it in court. Oh yes, sir. How are you going to do that? Well, sir, I, I have a, a hobby. It's writing computer code. And I go, well, first off, you know, what the heck kind of a hobby is that? But I, I sat down, well, fast forward. So this young man who was a truck mechanic had nothing to do with IT. This truck mechanic developed a program in a couple of weeks that not only 
completely manage all the information we had for the prosecution and exploitation, that program in its in its entirety was translated into Arabic and is being used by the Iraqi National Police. And I bring that story up because as this young truck mechanic had the skills to to answer and solve the very problem that was right in front of my face. And it goes, it goes back to the point that if you continue to look at old ways of handling things for a changing new reality, then you're going to continue to have the same problems. Answer that question was here. This, this young generation kid that I was worried about had the focus literally had the ability to solve the greatest problem I had in Iraq. You know, when you look at this young generation, it's it's not that much different than any other generation. And what do they need? They need the same leadership that you and I had. That is an unrelenting commitment to bringing us up, to teaching us, to moving us ahead. You know, we can't give up on this young generation because there are people in our lives that didn't give up on us. And, you know, when I look back, I think that couldn't have been an easy job. That is right on point. That was me and you many, many years ago. And folks don't give up on us, that's for sure. i tell you what, I think a lot of Americans see this country as moving in the wrong direction. As a leader, how do we connect or relate to others, you know, that may be different than we are, far left, far right, somewhere in the middle, you know, maybe don't believe like we do. How, how as leaders do we make that connection, sir? You know, I think we've all scratched our heads, especially in the last couple of years, you know, last six years, and said, Wow, what are we doing and why are we we creating such division? And I go back to what is the value of the Code of the West in this? I see the Code of the West really as a simple point of departure for the conversation. And I'll give you an example. And I won't get into the whole Code of the West, but I want to talk about just the first one. So the number one thing on the Code of the West is leave each day with courage. Hmm, that sounds simple enough. And in law enforcement, maybe the first thing that comes to your mind are things like run toward the danger, stand up for the weak, protect life, and take life if necessary. Action items. It's a lot more than that. And if in that discussion, point of departure for the discussion, a leader continually asks, okay, and what else does it mean? And what else does it mean? The answers might be something like this. You know, it might be the con- the tough conversation that you have with subordinates. You know, sometimes those subordinates and peers, sometimes they're your friends, you know, maybe it's a senior, you know, being brutally honest with people, whether it's performance or whether it's attitude, and and they both obviously play a big part, is could be pretty challenging. What if you're challenging the the status quo? What if you got to ask for help? You know, I grew up in an, uh, an organization where saying you needed help was, uh, there was kind of an stigma attached to that. I think we've come a long way in law enforcement, but I also think we've got a heck of a long way to go. Sometimes it's just being brutally honest with yourself, you know, and if you look at all the decisions that are made in any organization, you know, it always kind of boils down to that choosing the difficult right over the easy wrong. The one thing that this generation really wants and you unanimously hear when you talk to them is they want to have a purpose. Sounds a little crazy when you look at a lot of generation that's eating Tide Pods and trying to figure out what restroom to use. You think, you're looking for a purpose. Well, and I don't want to get philosophical, but if you look at Victor Frankl's book, you know, and that was a book years ago that I wouldn't have given two seconds thought to. 
but man search for meaning. That sounds pretty uh, philosophical. But basically what he says is our meaning can only be found by finding our purpose. Hey, what's this young generation looking for? They're looking for purpose and taking the responsibility for ourselves and other human beings. So if you think about if this young generation is telling us that they want to feel a purpose in their work, and most of the people that are listening to this podcast have been in law enforcement, they had the experience of seeing how do you define the calling, as we say, if that calling is our purpose, you have the benefit of looking back at your experience and realizing where that purpose comes from. So going back to that committed, relentless leader, that's really what this is about. And it's about going back to that basic need to feel a purpose. If you answer the purpose and the why, then the how is going to happen. It's going to unfold. And if you don't get to the why and the purpose, you'll never get to getting the job done. As leaders, you know, we really can't change what happens to your, to the point of your question in these tumultuous times. We can't change what happens, but we can certainly change, you know, how we respond to it. We live every day. We have to reaffirm that why. Why do we why do we do it? And live each day with courage. And that the answer to that, well, simple question is really a leadership discussion where you draw out people to help them define that purpose or that why. You know, leadership is, and I've said this so many times, leadership is about thousands of small course corrections, you know, and those corrections are senior to subordinate, they're peer to peer, and a lot of times they are subordinate to senior. Because the only person that gets to grade your paper as a leader are the people it is your responsibility to lead. And so the great leaders in history have looked back and answered one question every day by looking in the mirror. And that is, is what I'm doing, is my style, is that felony plagiarism model of leadership that I'm using, is it working today to influence the generation or the people in the organization I am leading in today's climate environment, whatever it is. Absolutely. Good information. Very good, sir. Hey, last question as we start to wind down. If yesterday's heroes looked like John Wayne, uh, the Lone Ranger, Martin Luther King, maybe Margaret Thatcher's of the world, what will tomorrow's heroes look like, sir? Well, thankfully, they're not going to look like you or me. Um, but, you know, and I, and I think if you spend if you spend too much time talking about the package, the style, the appearance, whatever it is, you know, every generation gets to redefine their definition of cool. I don't get today's youth, but if being defiant, rebellious is any kind of uh, measure of success, then I would say we would probably be in pretty bad shape with my past and no doubt yours as well. In the old West, you know, and, and to this day, really, a cowboy's often gritty appearance. And, and you can imagine those those pictures, of the dirty jeans, the dirty boots, the crumpled hat really hid a character of commitment and a service to a higher purpose. You know, his fellow man, the land and the animals. And if you think about law enforcement and any law enforcement officer that's been in that briefing room at the end of a shift and you see those tired and sweaty cops that are coming off of the street. They got the bulletproof vests, they got duty belts, weapons, radios, they got all that junk on them and they look exhausted. 
And what that really hides is their real existence. And that it's a calling in service to his fellow man, the law and the very freedom that really defines all of us as, as leaders, we really are responsible for developing the people around us. You know, it's not only giving them the purpose and the why it's being relentlessly committed to their development. And, you know, they've done studies about leadership, the most influential leadership in somebody's life. What studies have shown is that those people that made monumental changes to change the trajectory of your life in a good way, of all the people that you work for, bosses, coaches, everything, that's really about 3%. That doesn't mean the other 97 are bad, but what it means is those people that are relentlessly committed to the growth of other people are a rare thing. That said, you know, you, you've brought up a couple of good things, you know, the concern for this generation, the concern in the present environment, the politics, the division, all those other things. And where do you start with that? You start with one conversation at a time and you start to figure out, wait a minute, let's go back to the why and the purpose. And if you get people in the room to start on that topic, you will figure out the how. So what are the future leaders going to look like? You know, probably the bar scene in Star Wars, for all I know. I mean, it's they're going to look just as goofy as we did when, you know, we were in that same position. But then I think of the people that were shaking our heads, looking at us, that were committed to our development. I think when you look back in history, you'll find out again that those basic tenets of leadership and mentorship literally are timeless. And the code of the West is an example of exactly that. How did you get these cowboys in this dangerous environment to take on an extremely dangerous job for literally pennies. How did you get them to commit to that, to that mission and, and perform like they were working and living in their calling? That's leadership. Well, Colonel, I want to thank you for your time today and for sharing this valuable insight with us. I want to also thank uh, FirstNet and Utility for their continued support of the FBI National Academy Associates and for sponsoring this month's podcast. My friends, this concludes this episode of the APB podcast series. Please join us next month for another edition. And until then, stay safe and be well. <music>